worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Agriculture is Saskatchewan. And 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Brought to you by Seedmasters Nova Series 2. No clever message, just simple, no-nonsense precision. Learn more about the features at seedmaster.ca. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we talk with the Minister of Agriculture, David Merritt, about Friday's meeting. There was a virtual meeting between the Federal Provincial Agriculture Ministers, three key topics, including agri-stability, and we find out just what came out of that. We also have... Uh, a look at cover crops. That's with Real Agriculture. The National Farmers Union releases a report on concentration of farmland. The UK and Canada reach a new trade deal, and we look at some of the farm aspects there. And it looks like Australia will not be buying Canadian wheat this year. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Three key issues were discussed at Friday's Federal Provincial Agriculture Minister's Meeting. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt says temporary foreign farm labour, African swine fever and farm business risk programs were raised during the virtual meeting. For the most part, uh, you know, there were some issues we dealt with that I think went very well. And obviously there's a, there's a couple that I felt didn't go very well at all, Jim. But, uh, you know, we'll talk, uh, you know, but I guess really the three things we really did talk about was uh, the labor, the temporary foreign worker one was one that was brought up, was the first one brought up. And we had a good discussion around that. And, and uh, you know, obviously uh, everybody had their opinion on, you know, where it's going and, and and I, and I, you know, I said, obviously we're going to be in this same situation next spring. And there's obviously some lessons that we learned in this. And I heard from uh, stakeholders here in the province with some of the challenges they had with it as well, Jim. And obviously one or a couple of them were uh, timing of getting uh, the temporary foreign workers into the, into the country and then into the province. And then the issue of housing and uh, where they had to isolate, obviously, for the two weeks and uh, the costs incurred by that and the timing of it and everything. So hopefully, uh, you know, we've learned some valuable lessons and we can at least have a process in place by no later than the end of January on how we're going to uh, deal with the same issue because I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to be in this same situation next spring uh, with bringing workers in as well. So, so there was good discussion around that. Obviously, it's a big issue in other jurisdictions, Quebec, Ontario, uh, British Columbia and uh, and even the Maritimes to some degree as well. So it is here, but not to the degree it is in other jurisdictions. Uh, then there was quite a lengthy discussion around the African swine fever, Jim, and the uh, challenges around that. And uh, I, really, there was some good discussion on really engaging the industry stakeholders on the process on what happens if or when uh, African swine fever hits 
not only uh, Canada, but if it, it hits the North American uh, North America at all, what impact that has. And there's been some good discussion with uh, industry stakeholders right across North America, which is something that really has to be done. So uh, there was uh, some good headway made, I think, as far as, uh, as those two uh, issues moving forward. On the business risk management piece, uh, Jim, obviously there's challenges around it and uh, differing opinions across the country and uh, for differing re- different reasons as well. Uh, obviously, uh, if there's any changes to the business risk management programs at all, uh, the Prairie Provinces are hit the hardest and Saskatchewan being the hit, hit hardest of all the, all the jurisdictions. So it is um, somewhat challenging for us. Uh, we're hopeful that the federal government on Friday's call will come back with a proposal that is uh, acceptable or something we can work with. We haven't uh, never got into that side of it all. We just really got into some overall discussion around it and what the province's thoughts were so that the federal minister can take those thoughts back for this for this week and then hopefully come to the table on Friday with uh, with something or some discussion further about it. But so that's kind of where it was at with that, Jim. Agriculture Minister David Merritt coming up. Merritt discusses the details around efforts to hammer out a new agreement on the Agri-Stability Support Program. Um. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. Agriculture Minister David Merritt is hoping some details can be hammered out on improvements to the Agri-Stability Farm Support Plan. Federal Provincial Ministers of Agriculture met Friday in a virtual format, and Merritt says there are still differing opinions on the best way to proceed with Agri-Stability. The ministers meet again this Friday in another virtual format. I mean, some jurisdictions obviously want the reference margin limit removed. Some want the reference margin moving back up to 85 uh, some don't want any changes at all. Some are obviously talking about fiscal capacity and the challenges around that. And some jurisdictions are even saying just leave everything it is and let's start working on the, the new program for 2023 because it's going to take that long to get that all finalized anyway. So it was really kind of a mixed bag of things. There was obviously some jurisdictions just said they're happy with the way it is and not make any changes. So. Uh, obviously, uh, there's going to be uh, some good discussion on Friday going forward on this. And where we land, Jim, I uh, quite honestly don't know where we're going to land on this one. It looks like there is some consensus, or sounds like some consensus, on the 85% trigger, possible removal of the reference margin limit. But I understand a big question is the cost to split between Ottawa and the provinces, traditional 60-40 split. Uh, you would like to see that changed. Do you have any number in mind you'd like to tell the federal minister? No, no, I, and I don't. And I, you know, and I think that's the frustrating part we've had with this, Jim. You know, obviously we put a we put a proposal to the minister, you know, back in March or April, uh, and 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 everybody knows what that offer was. We were at ninety ten, and uh, for the short term, and uh, and she just uh, flat out rejected it, but has come back with nothing. Uh, other than, uh, you know, the 60-40 when she said that's where they were at, uh, that was six months ago. So we haven't heard anything new from her yet at this point. So it is somewhat challenging. And it is, uh, it's going it, to, if, if the changes go forward or if they do anything, 
and they don't change it, it really hits Saskatchewan the hardest of all jurisdictions in Canada. And uh, that, unfortunately, is something that me as the Ag Minister, uh, you know, I have to challenge that with her and, and uh, say, look, at the, we just can't afford that. And, uh, and that's why those, uh, those thresholds were put in place is because of the cost of the provinces. So hopefully, you know, that uh, she'll have some uh, second thoughts on, on their position and uh, bring something forward that uh, we can all live with. Are there any other issues besides the business risk agri-stability programs this Friday you'll be talking about? Well, you know, one, like I said, that has been brought forward by a couple of jurisdictions is what's the new program going to be? You know, and I think, uh, you know, where are we looking? Uh, You know, is it going to be similar to what we already have with just tweaking it and and changing uh, the funding distribution or is that... Or is, is that even on the table? I think that's, um, you know, some of the discussion we have to have. And, uh, you know, the, the working groups have uh, looked at some different options, whether it's margin-based or, or risk or, or uh, producer engagement. I mean, it's just, there's, it's all over the map right now where that's going. So there's, uh, there's lots of challenges around where we, where we land on this one, but it's just to, to have the discussion on how we get through in the short term and there's even challenges on the short term some jurisdictions want it to be uh, retro to 2020 and uh, some are saying it's got to be 21 22 so uh, we as provinces even have to come to some consensus on on uh, how this program if there is going to be changes what are going to be the parameters around when it starts and when it finishes the legislature resumes sitting next week. What farm issues do you expect to be raised this fall winter session? Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's all going to come out to play on how this, um, how this call goes on Friday, Jim. Uh, you know, I think if, if there's some challenges around that, then, uh, you know, there could be, obviously, there'll be uh, some concerns around that on, on, on where, you, where we as a province uh, land on this one. But... I think for the most part, it's really going to be about market access going through COVID the way we are, making sure we still have market access and, and hopefully we continue to see movement like we're seeing it, which is uh, great numbers. And and we're still seeing strong market prices. Obviously, you know, we're still challenged uh, on the livestock side. If we, you know, continue or if we see plant closures and things like that, then it would definitely have an impact on the livestock sector. So we'll have to work with them as well um, as we have on the set aside. And we see that that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's still being prolonged as far as, as the cattle guys getting, uh, getting, the, getting the fats to market. So there's still some challenges around that. So I can see that uh, still being a concern for everybody as it is, uh, as it is for us as well. And that's Agriculture Minister David Merritt. Age. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. I am talking soil with Woody Van Arkel. We're down at his farm down near Dresden, Ontario. Woody, how's it going? 
Good, good. Hey, thanks for the invitation. Um, now you, these days, you're chair of the Ontario Soil Network. We know you as one of the most passionate soil guys in Ontario, always trying something. Um, talk a little bit about your philosophy. You, when you talk about soil health, you've got a, a few goals that you target. So, yeah, I, I've, over the years, kind of, as this has all evolved, I've, um, I've gone and developed uh, these three goals, I guess. And one is to keep the soil covered as much as possible, um, do as little tillage as possible, and to keep a living root system uh, in the soil 365 days a year. Uh, those are goals. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I ever will. And it also has to kind of fit in an economic model that I'm still making money. Yeah. Now, a big part of keeping that ground covered for you cover crops. You, it's something you've been at, you've been passionate about for years. Talk about, uh, I guess, some of the cover crops you've got on the farm now, maybe some of the mixes. So it's it's been an evolution as well. It started off as simple red clover. Uh, I've gone up to the multi-species, you know, the 16, 18 different uh, species. Uh, it gets complicated. Uh, I thought, well, I'm going to bring it back to simpler. I've gone back to red clover that we're standing in here. Um, and I want to get diversity through an extended crop rotation as well. So a combination of, of simpler cover crops and extended crop rotation. That's where my head sits right now. Mm. Create a habitat for the, uh, the soil biology. Um, and even in the strip-till system, create a reservoir for healthy soil biology that can still migrate out to my strips as the cropping year goes on. Yeah. Now talk about a little bit about the firm. Um, uh, soybean, wheat, corn in the rotation? So I'm a, a corn, soybeans, wheat, sugar beets. Uh, I'm exploring sunflowers this year. So I'm trying to get, looking at a couple of other crops, but I'm trying to extend my rotation out to a more diverse rotation than just corn and soybeans. Now, one of those goals you talked about was reducing tillage, and uh, it's always a challenge, but you're growing a crop like sugar beets. That, uh, how do you do that? So that's where the strip-till thought first came into the, onto the farm, was, was to do strip-till for sugar beets, so as little tillage as possible. Um, it's actually evolved a little bit, and I'm experimenting with no-till sugar beets. So the only tillage that's really done is the, the field level and very minimal. Uh, shallow tillage to level the field after harvest and then incorporate a cover crop. Right. What are you known as an innovator, a tinkerer, always up to something on Twitter and, and building, you know, whether it be a cedar for, for interceding and stuff like that. Talk about some of the things you worked on over the years and, and, and you know, where they've taken you. So one of the biggest challenges I have is that the things I want to try, there's no equipment sitting on a dealer's lots. So you create your own um, it's experimental. I don't, I'm cheap. I don't want to spend a lot of money on an experiment. So there's a lot of junkyard engineering by inventory, I call it. So it's taking old equipment and, and, and try to modify it so it works. Uh, I've modified a drill to do inner row seeding between corn rows, uh, the band sprayer to, to uh, spray out the strips in here ahead of the strip till machine, things like that. Uh, I'm still always looking for uh, towards a new interseeder slash drill slash bean planter that can do everything and with just minor modifications. Yeah. Always pushing the envelope and trying new things and um, 
I want to talk about some of the, I guess, some of the trials you've tried in the last couple of years. And one of my favorites is uh, something you talk about Peter Johnson about all the time, and that is your 30-inch, your twin-row 30-inch wheat. So moving forward in a project that I want to try, I want to incorporate a 30-inch farming system, but I want to put wheat in the system. So I've been playing with or experimenting with planting twin-row 30-inch wheat that... Um, and seeing if it'll compete or if I can come close enough that it still makes sense to put it in my rotation over a solid seeded wheat system. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather, mainly cloudy sky today. Wind southeast 30, gusting to 50. The high today, minus 3. The low, minus 12. Wind chill, minus 12 tonight. Tuesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 4. Wind chill minus 20 tomorrow morning, minus 8 in the afternoon, the low minus 8. Wednesday, increasing cloudiness, the high plus 3, the low minus 6. Thursday, sunny, the high 0, the low minus 5. Friday, sunny, the high plus 4, the low minus 4. Saturday, sunny, the high minus 1, the low minus 11. Sunday, sunny, the high minus 3. Normal high is minus 4, the normal low for this date, minus 14. The sun rose at 8.26 this morning. It sets at 5.04 tonight. And on the roundup, first off, the hot spot, Assiniboia at minus 3. Cold spot, Stony Rapids up north, minus 18. Estevan, minus 5. Saskatoon Swift Current and Yorkton, minus 7. Weyburn, minus 6. Regina Cloudy, minus 7. That's 19 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the southeast at 32, gusting to 42. Relative humidity, 93%. Thermometer falling, 101.2. There's fog in Moose Jaw, minus 8, east-southeast at 17. Once again, Regina, cloudy and minus 7, that's 19 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Um. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director, Jim Small. Best. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. A new study says farmland ownership in Western Canada is becoming more concentrated. The study was prepared by four authors, including two academics and Darren Quallman with the National Farmers Union. It's important to do a report like this to really look at where we're headed. When we look at the number of acres in Saskatchewan, for instance, uh, operated by uh, small and medium-sized farmers, those trend lines are going down very, very steeply. And uh, the largest operations are expanding very, very rapidly. We're to a point now where a very small percentage of farmers control, uh, you know, most of the land. The report found 38% of Saskatchewan's farmland is operated and controlled by 8% of farms. In Alberta, 6% of farms operate 40% of the province's farmland. Qualman says those numbers are based on data provided by Stats Canada. We asked Statistics Canada to do what's called a custom tabulation. And what's powerful about this is it gets at not only farmland ownership, which can be kind of diffuse 
because there's a, a lot of owners and some of them don't farm, they rent others. But what this really gets at is who's farming the land, who's who's operating and controlling it. So it looks at not just land owned by farmers, but land that's rented and leased as well. The report also does some financial number crunching. It also went farther and looked at what proportion of gross revenue and net income was being captured by each of those. And what we found, not surprisingly, was that a small percentage of very large farms are really capturing the lion's share of revenues and net income. Qualman says it's important who owns the productive assets in the economy and draws a comparison to the business community. The clothing stores and the shoe stores and the hardware stores and all those things used to be owned by local families. And to a significant extent, that isn't the case anymore. All of those parts of the economy have been transferred to foreign companies, chains, absentee owners, people that aren't part of the community. The only exception to that in all of Canada is farming and farmland. The the family farm, those farms are still owned by people that, that live right in our communities. The report says it's much harder for young and new farmers to enter agriculture. It adds policy measures are urgently needed to counter market forces that will drive even more concentrated farmland ownership in the future. Answer. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. There was some significant trade news over the weekend. The United Kingdom signed an interim continuity deal with Canada. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau called it a big deal, emphasizing in her weekend tweet that we have protected our supply management system. That would indicate Canada didn't have to sacrifice any additional market share for dairy, as it's done with recent deals, including the new NAFTA and CETA. During a Zoom conference, Prime Minister Trudeau spoke with the agreement about the agreement, as did his British counterpart Boris Johnson. Here's British PM Boris Johnson. Free trade is an important part of the way we're going to bounce back from from COVID. Uh, But I I also think that Canada and the the UK uh, share a perspective about building back greener and uh, and using this as a moment in which to to tackle climate change, but also to create hundreds of thousands of of jobs in green technologies. And I just want this is just the beginning. this is, uh, we, we hope very much that uh, we will be doing deals with you in the, in the years to come. And here's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. The UK is our fifth largest uh, trading partner in the world. Uh, so making sure that we continue to do that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a story. We will do much better than that. Uh, but you're, you're our top trading partner in Europe. So uh, at least no there's, pressure, Liz. Uh, there's that that we can still get to, get to work on. And of course, now we get to continue to, uh, to work on a bespoke agreement, uh, a comprehensive agreement uh, over the coming years uh, that'll really maximize our, uh, our, our trade opportunities and boost things for everyone. In a statement from Dan Darling, president of the Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance, Alliance, he says this interim agreement preserves existing market access to the UK during a period of transition. The United Kingdom has yet to ink a deal with the European Union following Brexit. In his statement, Darling says a transitional arrangement reinforces a situation that remains unacceptable under CETA. He wants Canada and the UK to return to the table as soon as possible to reach a more ambitious pact that removes tariffs and non-tariff barriers. After multiple years of drought, Australian farmers are going to harvest an above-average crop. 
Barley production estimates are in the 11 million ton range due to increased area and good precipitation during the growing season. Matthew Madden is a grain grower and chair of the New South Wales Farmers Grain Committee. A lot of people in this district have not harvested a crop or a worthwhile crop since 2016. So there's a lot riding on this particular crop and um, the weather turned around positively in early, late January into February and set it up for a great crop. And um, we are actually in, in the middle of harvesting what is a, one of the, our best crops ever. The problem for Australia is finding new markets for that big barley crop. China has slapped large tariffs on Australian barley in retaliation for questioning the Chinese government's handling of COVID-19, as well as the restrictions on democracy in Hong Kong. China accuses Australia of interfering in its domestic affairs. Three. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall as Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices at Viterra were showing upward movement in early morning trading. Canola gained 440 at 527.67. Lentils dropped $8 at 594.50. Number one red spring wheat decreased three cents at 237.27. The rest were unchanged. Durham 288.44. Feed barley 209.70. Flax 671.75. Yellow peas 322.89. Feed wheat 183.72. Minneapolis spring wheat December futures went up one and three quarter cents at five forty five and three quarter cents a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now the latest livestock quotes. Heartland Livestock Market Report. Donnie Peacock reporting from the Swift Current Yards. Their Saturday calf sale at 4,003 calves in the run. 579 the average weight at $1,161 per head. 66 good big mixed colored steers 781 at $1.83 lots of powerful Angus calves in the sevens here's the reds at 712 bring a buck 8875 uh, Straubs one owner cattle from Hodgeville 712 at 190 and a quarter and right at seven some black sorted straight loads of them 189.75 at 191. 75. Here's 125 black steers from the Gale Ranch, 677 at 194. 100 of the Straw Branch, 656. Black steers, 197. 75. The 660 weight red steers bring 195. 640 pounds sorted black steers, 199. 580 pounds. Here's a super three owner load of black steers at 580. 212. 75. The 560 weight, uh, another set of 562 owner block steers, 214.75. And the 530 weight blocks, 228.50. At 500 pounds, the red steers at 229. The 520 blocks, 233.75. Into the uh, cattle just under five. Boy, it's really active there. The 465 red steers, 2. 
4450. Here's 123 black steers at 470, bring 251 and 88 black steers at 464 at 252 and a quarter. At 420 pounds, they bring 272 and a quarter into the heifers. 700 pound heifers, 163. The 660 weight heifers, 171 to 174. At 620 pounds, the red heifers, 170 and a half to 174. On the get to right at 600 pounds, here's 106 sorted black heifers, 600 pounds at 182. The Jim and Roxanne file at 44 one owner blocks, 605 bring the same money at 182. Boy, they'd have been nice to turn into a cow herd. The 535 weight red heifers, 184.50. Here's 142 black Angus heifers from the Straub family, 540 at 195. Here's a group of 227 sorted black heifers, 541 at 195 and a quarter. The 49 red heifers at 475 at 202. Here's 123 black heifers at 460. Two fourteen fifty, and the heifers at four hundred and ten pounds bring two twenty four fifty. That's the way it is in cattle country, Heartland Swift Current. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is for both the Brandon and Moose Jaw plants. The same amount, one hundred sixty dollars thirty cents per ckg. Coming up, the resource report. Day. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns, and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca. This week has been proclaimed Saskatchewan Manufacturing Week by the provincial government. Last year, Saskatchewan's manufacturing industry had $6.3 billion in sales and provided $5.5 billion in total exports. The manufacturing sector represents 5.6% of the provincial gross domestic product. For every dollar invested in manufacturing, an economic spin-off of three times is generated in the provincial economy. Saskatchewan's manufacturing sector employed almost 31,000 people last year a jump of 9.3% from the previous year and the biggest jump among provinces. In the same year, Saskatchewan ranked second for capital investment growth and second highest in manufacturing productivity. In the last 10 years, economic growth has gone from $4.3 billion in 2009 to $4.6 billion in 2019. Saskatchewan's growth plan includes a goal to increase the value of Saskatchewan's manufacturing exports by 50% by the year 2030. Incentives, competitive tax rates, and expanding markets are part of the growth plan. During the COVID-19 pandemic, over 25 companies in Saskatchewan's manufacturing sector pivoted to produce medical supplies or personal protection equipment for local businesses, the provincial school system, and the healthcare industry in North America. Gains in the energy sector helped lift Canada's main stock index higher in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets were mixed. The TSX Composite Index was up 33 points at 17,052. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 164 points at 29,428. The Canadian dollar traded at 76.34 cents U.S. compared with 76.51 cents on Friday. The January crude oil contract was up 36 cents at 42.78 a barrel. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon. An Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good... 
You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.